experience. Mm. It's the first time that they'll experience, I guess, a professional setup where if you don't perform, you won't play. Um, really experience the, the campus culture because there's, there's more, to, more to college than just, just sport. It's never going to be easy and it's never going to be as rosy and as straightforward as you hope it to hope it you know hope it to be. Welcome to the seventh episode of the NSR podcast. Hopefully, everyone out there has enjoyed their week. I know we certainly have here in the office. Uh, all of our athletes that have have gone back over to the states, whether they be freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. Um, they're all settling in now and sending us pictures and, and telling us uh, some stories of, of their time so far. So it's a really sort of exciting time for us here in the office. But we have another great topic to cover this week, so make sure you tune in and listen to the entire episode. So in this week's episode, I'll be joined by NSR Prospect Manager Harrison Burgess and also the, the CEO, Marco Mezzano. Uh, I also want to mention that if you do miss anything in, in today's episode, obviously you can... You can get all the information in the show notes uh, that'll be emailed to, to the people on the NSR program and anyone that, that isn't on the program can access those show notes on our on our website at nsraustralia.com.au under the podcast section. Um, now this time of the year, it's it's a few things for our departing athletes that, that are heading over to the States, especially the freshmen. Uh, it's exciting, nerve-wracking and definitely a little bit scary. Uh, some of our athletes travel alone, some travel with their families to, to obviously help settle them in. Uh, and after the, the first few weeks of preseason and arriving on campus, it can get a little bit difficult. And over the past couple of years, that has certainly shown. Uh, you know, teams, especially with team sports, you know, teams start to, to form shape and the coach becomes aware of, of his or her varsity or, or first team squads. A majority of our athletes stick it out, get past the first few months and, and obviously end up loving it. Similar to, to Harrison and myself, they, they never want to leave. Uh, there are also a few athletes that, that may not make the, the first team initially or they realise that they aren't the best player you know, at the college that they go to. You know, and, and that's sort of when we start receiving phone calls uh, you know, from the athletes and, and obviously their mums and dads. You know, and, and sometimes they do end up coming home no matter how much we, we try to convince them to, to stick it out and stay. But you know, again, when comparing it to Australia, it's really apples to oranges, you know, especially with, with team sports. Um, so we'll go over in this episode, we'll go over the, the differences in why some athletes find it difficult to, to settle in, how you can manage and persevere through you know, the, the tough times, you know, and why you really should stick it out. Marco, Harrison, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Go, Jacob. How are you? Jacob, thanks for uh, having us again. This is a topic that's really close to my heart, so I uh, appreciate having the opportunity again to uh, to be involved. So, Harrison, you and I obviously started together at the, the same college at Iowa Central for our first two years, and then we ended up transferring and, and parting ways, and we actually played against each other for our second two years. Uh, obviously, you had one win and I had one win, so we're 50-50 there. But you had a difficult start to your college career, and I know you were struggling at times, but you obviously persevered and ended up doing extremely well. Can you just go over your journey and your time at Iowa Central? Just talk about how you sort of stuck it out, even when at times you, you didn't really want to. Yeah, um, Jacob, as, as you know, obviously we spent two years together at Iowa Central. So um, yeah, but the, the start of my journey at Iowa Central was 
Yeah, it wasn't the best. Um, to, before pre-season training even began, uh, I, um, I I thought I was going to be in the, the nice new dorms that I was central had just built, and it turns out I was in, in the what they call the towers, which was sort of on the outskirts of the campus. And Nobody uh, wants the towers. Nobody <laughs> wants the towers. That's where they end up putting the, the, the American footballers, and there's all, they're all loud and, and love to make a bit of noise, but uh, luckily enough, they hadn't moved in just yet. Um, uh, from, from there, it was just sort of... It was a bit different because a lot of my other teammates were, were sort of in the newer apartments closer to the central part of campus. So I, I, for my first three weeks, I was, I was really living by myself. And you were um, coming from beautiful, sunny Perth. Yeah, beautiful, sunny Perth where, I mean, all my mates were pretty local. I mean, um, beaches weren't, weren't far from, from where I lived as well, which is pretty handy. But um, yeah, it was, it was a different experience. And then um, I wasn't cleared to train to begin with. Uh, I, I hadn't, um, been able to, hadn't been able to get my, my athletic physical done before, before pre-season had begun. So I missed the first two days of preseason, and and then when I finally was cleared, uh, I dislocated my thumb in my second session. So as a keeper, um, that that wasn't ideal, uh, which put me sort of on the back foot and, and at a program like I was central, where they recruit sort of fifty guys to, for, for preseason to begin with, and, and five of those were keepers. It definitely didn't bode well with the coaches, and sort of as I said, put me on a back foot um, to, from from the start. So. Uh, in my first first season, especially, I, I struggled to get minutes. I think uh, I played a, a couple of reserves games by the end of the season, and it, it definitely took its toll. Because as a, as a competitive athlete, you, you're always wanting to to, to push to, to be on that first team and, and playing at the highest level possible. And you don't like sort of uh, sitting on the sideline watching your teammates compete and play when when you feel like you you, well, you definitely want to be out there, but you feel like you should be out there. And yeah, it, it, it was tough. And then in my second year, uh, it didn't help that I had uh, two of the be- like in my first year, two of the best keepers in the conference, and then and uh, the reigning all-conference keeper, Darren, um, it, was, it, was, it was definitely half, tough for minutes. And I think by, after my first two years, I think I only played a total of about 120 minutes, which, which for me was, was hard, but um, it was definitely a learning experience because um, you find out you, I was coming from Perth, I was training with the Glory Youth and then also with um, what would be NPL, but back then it was just State League. I was training with the, with the under-20s and, and training with the first team. And uh, you find out really you're, you're a big fish in a small pond until you get over there. you got you got kids from, from all over Europe, the UK, so Central and South America. And um, it, it's sort of hard to hard to sort of compete with, with those right away. And for me, it was a bit of a... A reality check because I, I thought I was going to come in there be the superstar goalkeeper to, to find out I'm, I'm, I'm really at best I was, in my first year I was, I was third string definitely and you stuck it out though you didn't uh, you didn't sit in your room and sulk um, you, you didn't miss a training session obviously and you persevered and uh, in in Harrison's third season uh, after he transferred obviously become all-conference goalkeeper played every minute for his his college team against my team as well and had had an absolute blinder but but he stuck it out Now, Mark, I'll direct this question to you. Uh, the Australian and, and American sporting system, obviously, they're, they're very different. Um, just explain sort of the setup and the differences and why you think you know, the, the Australian and New Zealand athletes may find it difficult to, to settle in in that, that sort of initial few weeks of, of heading over. Yeah, Jacob. So this topic is something that's, uh, that's really close to my heart. One, because I've been doing this for a while, but also... Obviously, I've been a professional athlete, and now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud dad of, of two, two little boys. And sport in itself, I guess, gives every mum and dad uh, the opportunity to be super proud of their kids and to watch them play as, uh, as, as youngsters. And, and, and you're going out there every weekend, you know, two or three times a week from the ages of five, four, five uh, years old, and, and, and you're watching them play, and you're watching them, for the most part, do really well and, and, and dominate. Um, and it's probably 
one of the reasons why a lot of the athletes, you know, who who do sort of struggle, it, it ends up being, I guess, I guess in my opinion, something that sort of starts from from an early age because it is very easy to to get confused about your, your kids' ability levels. You know, I, I take my little boys uh, for example. Like, I, I genuinely think my, my youngest, my my youngest Cruz is is better than Ronaldo, <laughs> right? And no no one's going to tell me otherwise. <laughs> now, I'm sure if I took him over to to Argentina, um, there'd be a lot of other little boys exactly the same, if not better better than him. And I guess that's our that, that's just the way that we sort of grown up here, and that's just the way. Uh, that our kids are sort of brought up you know we we really are a small fish in, in a big pond but it is easy to 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 get um to get confused and i guess certain sports like you know golf or or swimming or track you know there really is no no excuse you know numbers and times and scores everything's it, quantifiable and, exactly yeah. you know so that so you know if you're not shooting a certain score it's because you're not shooting a certain score yeah. whereas football and basketball it's sort of team sports it, it is a very it is a game of opinions. It's also why it's such such a beautiful thing because, you know, you you can always um, you know keep improving and, and you'll always end up um, having the ability to prove someone right, but also prove someone wrong. Now, again, as I mentioned, I'm I'm a, I'm a proud dad, two little boys, and and one of the things that uh, that I try and sort of instill in my little boys is just about not not giving up. You know, we we say a little prayer every night, and and that little prayer basically just ends up with with saying asking uh you know asking to 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 not give up um and to keep trying and if that's one thing that i can teach my boys as a dad and for them to remember and and instilling them for the rest of their life it'll be something that i'll be super proud of because we all know that life is is going to be difficult whether it's sport or business or work it's never going to be easy you know in in sport for example they're going to have more bad games than they are good games the only person who has more good games than bad games is Ronaldo and Messi <laughs> and even then people still whistle when Ronaldo doesn't score three goals a game he only um, scores two and, and, and he misses the third and he correct. gets booed <laughs> and so any, anybody out there who, who's played at, at, at a higher level will tell you the same thing you're going to have more bad games than good games you're going to have more bad coaches than good coaches now what makes a bad coach well in my you know, in, in my experience a bad coach is the one who doesn't play you Simple as that. If I look back at, at all the coaches who I think are my best coaches, um, people like, like Jeff, Jeff Oliver, who hopefully he's listening to this, th- these guys were my favourite coaches. Why? Because you were playing. Because I was playing. Correct. <laughs> now, does it mean that they're a better coach than somebody else? Well, again, we, we, we don't know. But from my experience, these coaches were better because I was playing. And that's just one thing that's going to happen when they when they do move on to, to different clubs. And I think one of the... The things that um, probably plays a part in this certain in, in, in this certain aspect is here in Australia, we and in New Zealand as well, we have a, a pay-to-play system. So you pay your registration, uh, your, your registration fees for a club, and you play. Now, that some of those registration fees are as little as you know a couple hundred dollars, and some of them are you know two and a half, three and a half thousand dollars. Now, when you pay a registration, you, it comes with a certain expectation. I'm going to pay for my child to, to be registered for this club so they can actually play. Now, if they don't like it there, then I move clubs. And, and an example I gave to the boys uh, this morning in the office was, you know, how easy is it for us to just say, you know what, I don't like this club. I'm going to change clubs. Let's go from Sandringham to Brighton or let's go from Bulleen to, uh, to Heidelberg. Because what we're looking for is that experience, so we're, and because we're paying for that experience, 
what we want is to, to get the most experience possible. So you're never going to pay to be at a club that you don't like. So this pay-to-play system that we have here in Australia doesn't always help the youngsters moving forward, whether it's professional sports or obviously college, college sports, because it'll be the first time in their life that it's not paying to play anymore. Yes, you are paying for a portion um, of your education or you're paying for a, a, a larger part of your education, but you're not actually paying to be on the soccer team. Once you're in that soccer team or basketball team or field hockey team, it's purely down to ability and purely down to, to performance. Paying to, to be there has nothing to do with paying to be on, on the team, and it's probably the biggest eye-opener that our boys and girls will, will experience. It's the first time that they'll experience, I guess, a professional setup where if you don't perform, you won't play. Now, that's not a bad thing in a lot of ways because ultimately what you're trying to do as an athlete is you're trying to test yourself in the best environment possible. So if all you want to do is play sport, play um, you know, play soccer or basketball or golf or whatever it is, then, then that's okay. Then th- that's the experience you need to be looking for. Whether that's um, you know here in staying in Australia or staying in New Zealand, but if you're moving to the US and that's obviously everybody who's listening to this podcast is is either on the path or or, or going to the US or in the US at the moment, you, you need to understand that the moment you get there, this pay to play scenario is out the window and your performance and your character and your attitude will determine how far you actually go. Coaches over there don't recruit everybody to play straight away. It's physically impossible. They're building squads. So their squads are, you know, can be as large as, as, as Jacob's team. You know, had 50 players in a squad, so they set up two different teams, so what they call a varsity and a junior varsity. So like a, like a first team and a reserve team or an A team and a B team. Yeah. If, if you're in the B team, if you're in the in the junior varsity team in, in in the reserve grade, there's nothing wrong with that. Basically, what that means is you're you're in a position to show a coach what you can do, and if you do really well, you move on. It's exactly the same as once you get to MPL seniors here or professional or semi-professional teams where you're actually getting paid to play. And that's the difference. The moment you get paid to play, or the moment you pay to play. So once you you're in that environment, it's purely down to your performance and purely down to, to attitude and um, and the ability to, to, to stick it out. You know, foreign students, you know, we've been doing this for, for 11 years and, and again, I've, I've seen it in, 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 in professional sports. The moment that something doesn't go our way, the moment that I'm not the best player in the team, then the whole world's crumbling around you. That's, that's normal. But what you actually do from that point on will determine how far you actually make it as a as a footballer or as a basketballer. You know, you're going to have more bad games, like I said, more bad coaches than you will good you know, good coaches and, and, and good games. But it's more about how you actually react to that that will determine how far you go in, uh, in, in, in your sport. Definitely. And Marco just touched on it there. Sport here in Australia, other than our professional leagues, is still it's still very amateur. Uh, it might be called semi-professional, uh, in quotes, but it's still very amateur. In the States... College is amateur, uh, in quotes, but it's a very professional environment. It's, again, the first time that sort of these athletes are, are experienced something. Well, the coaches are there to win championships. Exactly. They're there to win championships. They want to pick their, their best team. Yep. They want their best players playing week in, week out. Yeah, because the coach is also looking to better his career. Exactly. So those coaches are, are, are there. They're getting paid really well to, to, to manage, a, manage a program. 
and they know themselves that if they do really well, then a bigger program is going to come and come and look at them. Definitely, and like myself and Harrison and and our sort of story, you know, we didn't get picked initially to begin with. But did did we give up? Do, do you give up? No, obviously you you stick it out. You take the coach's feedback. Uh, and you work hard, you don't miss a training session and you prove that you, you deserve to be in that first squad. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest thing I took from, from my first my first season especially was, yeah, I mean, it's it's not always going to go your way. And I think, as Marco mentioned, growing up with that pay-to-play system, if I wasn't play, playing at a certain club, I, I think in, from under-15s through under-18s and, and into the 20s, I, I think I moved to sort of four different clubs and it was just the same sort of setup. If I wasn't playing somewhere, I'd, I'd move and um, or try and move to a better club to, to play more. It, it's then getting over the US, it taught me to, to persevere through certain certain difficulties and not and not give up when when faced with a challenge. And um, as, as Jacob touched on, by by my third season, I was getting I mean all conference honours and, and, and playing. I mean when I was at Mount Mercy and um, starting every game as, as a keeper. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a completely different system. Yeah, look, I think the one thing that um, that I'd like to sort of point out is at at at, at that age, 15, 16, 17, 18, the the decisions you make with your sport will will be the ones that actually you know set you up for uh, for the rest of your life if it's too easy to change or stop or give up then no doubt the repercussions will be there down, down the track whenever something else gets difficult then you psychologically you've already made a, a, a type of decision decision like that before in your life it's easy for me to now, for me to talk about this sort of stuff now that I'm a little bit older and I've experienced it and I, I get that. But what's the point of older people like myself and, that and other mums and dads out there that have made the same mistakes if we don't go out and try and teach our youngsters the, the difficulties of, of, of sport and difficulties of life, business, schooling, etc. It's never going to be easy and it's never going to be as rosy and as straightforward as you hope it to, hope it, you know, hope it to be. Now, look, it, it certainly can be difficult, you know, Harrison and I, and also Marco, obviously, we've all been there uh, living away from home for, for various years. Uh, now, Marco, maybe just touch on your experience a little bit and being away from home. Yeah, so for, for those who don't know my sort of my story, I was fortunate enough to become a professional soccer player when I was still in, you know, in my early, early teens. I was barely uh, 16, 17, and I was lucky enough to to move to Holland and I was the type of sort of boy that came from a family mum and dad who did everything for me my mum I still remember to this day my mum used to put toothpaste on my toothbrush before school <laughs> to make sure that I, that I didn't forget it so I, I guess I grew up with uh, with mum and dad sort of doing everything for me but the one thing that I did know was that I wanted to be a footballer and the one thing that they knew was that I wanted to be a footballer so when I jumped on the plane for the first time to, to, to Holland I didn't even know where Holland was, to be perfectly honest. Um, I only knew that they had players like Van Basten and Gullit, but I didn't actually know where it was. And somewhere it, in Europe, somewhere in Europe. But it was it literally that. I would say it was the hardest thing I, I I ever did. And when when I got there and and realised that there was another thirty players who who were better than me. Now I went there thinking I was a superstar. I genuinely thought I was probably. Yeah one of the best players in the world. Um, and when I got there, there was there was at least 30 players better than me and from countries that I'd never even heard of. Um, and I guess that was the first sort of eye-opener uh, for me. But And like I've said to the boys a few times, I remember calling mum and dad, you know, weekly, daily, you know, saying, you know, how hard it was and that, that I wanted to come home. And I, I used to you know, used to cry. That, that That's normal. But, uh, but again, you know, my, my dad's words still ring true now. Like, 
I remember him yelling in the background when I was on the phone to my mum saying that I wanted to come home and mum being typical mum saying, okay, come home, son, you know, come home. And my dad would yell in the background saying, don't you dare, you know, you're the one who said I wanted to be a footballer. You need to, uh, you need to, you know, plough through it. And for a time there, I, I genuinely didn't understand what, why my dad would be so harsh. But after about, you know, five or six weeks of, um, of going through that sort of stuff, I guess it, it, everything became easier um, because obviously I got involved and I started to make friends, started to learn the language, all that sort of stuff. But it was easy. I could have easily come home, you know. And, and my mum, beautiful mum, you know, as uh, as she is, you know, th- their role, and, and, and I recently spoke to a few of the NSR parents about this, the role of mum and dad and the journey of mum and dad is just as important as the journey of the athlete because my mum could have easily told me to come home like she did. And they they could have easily bought my ticket home, and I would have come home within five weeks. Now, I I'm probably I'm, I'm super grateful for them not doing that because it, it helped me sort of build the resilience, you know, to, to football and to life in, in in general. That to this day, I would say my, my greatest strength as a person is is the resilience. Because from that point on, there was a million times that things didn't go right, a million times from football to to life in general, um, and even starting in Asar eleven years ago hasn't always been as easy to, to, to do starting a business. So that resilience side of it is I genuinely think it started from from the contribution that mum and dad did at that or dad especially at that point. And it's super important, like I said before, the journey of the mum and dad is super important because it's gonna be too easy for you guys to attach yourselves emotionally to the athletes. And the athletes will call you. Your children will call you. They will tell you that they miss you. And with social media nowadays it's even worse because they're connected to their friends on Facebook, they're connected to their friends on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and the rest of it, and so they're constantly getting reminders of what's back home. Yeah, even even for me, I mean, seven years ago, back in, in twenty ten, like it was it was the same. Like I was uh, and Skype, like I'd call my parents every every second day. I'd look at my friends on Facebook, and and it is sort of hard if you, if you coop yourself up in your room and just thinking about home, always talking to people from home, rather than going out and and make, making new friends and and experiencing the culture that you're in. It, it's it's really going to sort of cloud your vision and make you realize that you, it just makes you think you don't want to be there, and uh, you're going to miss out on an amazing experience. And, well, because uh, it's human nature. Yeah, you, you, you're going to attach yourself emotionally. To, to what makes you feel better, and you'll feel like you're missing out on everything at home. But when really you're going to be missing out on everything to do at, at college and, and to the community there as well. So that's what we'll touch on now. Then, you know, what what can what can our athletes do? What can anyone do really um, to overcome these initial sort of homesick feelings? And uh, what can what can they do to overcome that sort of early adversity? Well, to start with, I think it starts a lot, a lot earlier than than the day they actually depart. You know, I um, I would say it's important as parents to, to, to try and, and build that resilience in their children as early as as early as possible. You know, for, for those parents that I guess that um, that are kind of new to, to this type of um, you know sort of process, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 years old. You know, that's the that's the important age I would say to start letting their kids know that they need to be resilient. That uh, that's not always going to be easy, and that to never give up. With, with anything, we're not, we're not just talking about football here or basketball or sport. We're talking about just anything in general. So I would think it's important, you know, to you know, as as my first tip is, mum and dad, they're the ones that are most important in this whole process, to, in this whole journey of resilience. You know, start the education part of it early. Start letting them know that they're going to have hard hard times. Don't be so, I guess, emotionally connected. 
to the, your, your children's sort of loss of you know of, of not playing sport or not being the best, etc. You know, you need to start building that that, that resilience. It early. definitely it definitely doesn't help when you know mum and dad are always on the phone saying they miss you and and come home. Like obviously that makes things ten times worse. So uh, you need to be obviously strong for your kids. Uh, I know my dad, mum and dad sort of said it to me a couple of times and it made, made me feel horrible. Yep. Uh, it made me feel horrible. So I just told him to cut it out. Uh, I'm here and I'm staying. Um, j- just support me. Well, I'll give you another example, uh, Jacob. My mum, uh, God love her, she, um, she went through a very tough time emotionally. My, my brother, uh, who's uh, two years older than me, he moved to, to Italy to play football professionally two years before I did. So there was only the two of us here in Australia. We didn't have any, any cousins or anything like that. So mum and dad were literally left alone. And my mum suffered emotionally because of, of both my brother and I being away from home. But I didn't find out until literally I was 30 years old um, or not, when I took her to, uh, to the doctors once and um, I had to uh, read one of, one of the reports and, and it showed that she'd obviously gone through a, a bit of a tough time. And, and those times were, you know, the 10-year the gap that, uh, that we left to go and live overseas. Now, I... 100% know that if my mum had told us what she was going through while we were overseas, we would have been on the first plane home because no one wants to see your, your, your family suffer for any reason, especially if you think it's it's your fault. So, again, that I'm, I'm grateful for. As horrible as it sounds, I'm grateful she didn't tell me because if she did, I would have would have come home. And that's the one of the reasons why I'm, I guess I am the person I, I am today. Um, it's why I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that I am as resilient as I am. And also I've got all these memories and stories from my time um, simply because of that. So, you know, mums and dads out there, it's important for you guys to, you know, I guess you know, as horrible as it sounds, like almost not necessarily bottle it in, but you can't, uh, you can't express your sadness on your kids. As much as it sounds, I guess, horrible to hear, it's something that you're going to have to sort of take as a parent. I know that now. I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm a dad. I would never tell my kids, you know, something that uh, that could affect, you know, affect them emotionally. And, and we don't do it on purpose. Um, definitely not. But as a parent, if your child is going through something like this, it's one of those things that you kind of need to sort of shield them from. And 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 we do that. You know, we shield them from anything that's bad, anything from that's horrible, anything that's 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 going to hurt them anything that, that's not going to make them feel good so this type of thing is something that you need to need to shield them from you need to again build their strength and build their character because their strength and character in this environment is what's going to be a part of their life for forever now in regards to to the athletes you know obviously uh, that are living on campus that head over obviously a big bit of advice that myself and I know Harrison can give if things aren't, aren't going your way to begin with maybe you don't make the first uh, traveling squad or, or something like that definitely don't make any rash decisions just remember like you're on the other side of the world you're doing something that less than one percent of Australian and New Zealand kids actually get to do um, so that's obviously a really important thing don't do anything silly and, and make any rash decisions I guess what else can yeah I mean I think that's a great point um, I'm not going to lie I'm a, I'm a grown man now I can admit uh, at 18 years old I made a few teary phone calls home and um, said uh, maybe I wanted to, to come home and, and I was lucky enough similar to Marco I had a dad who was pretty uh, pr- pretty strong on the point that, that you, if, you, if you leave you're going to hate yourself forever and, and don't you dare come home and yeah it's there's other things you can do like um, whether it be get out on campus 
um, get involved with other events. Like if you don't quite make the travelling squad, I'm sure the, the football team or the basketball team or something will have a game that you can go to, get involved in the community and um, really experience the, the campus culture because there's, there's more, to, more to college than just, just sport. Um, I think by, by the end of my four years, I realised that looking back on things when I initially first started thinking it was all about the soccer, it, it really isn't. Um, it, it's about uh, the friends you make, the experiences you have, and, and just sort of seeing another side of the world. Uh, Definitely. And making friends, get out and you know, make friends. Like You guys have a very powerful tool, and that is the accent. People love, love just to hear you speak, if anything. Everyone <laughs> wants to be your friend. Uh, so get out, make friends. Don't just sit in your room. Uh, really, really enjoy it and embrace embrace college. Like Harrison just said, there's always things going on on campus. We went to you know volleyball games, we went to basketball games, and we would pack out the the small auditorium, and it would the atmosphere would be ridiculous. Um, so you need to get out and, and really enjoy it. Yeah, and and I think another important thing is don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush for college to be over. Don't be in a rush, you know, to 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 graduate. Um, Definitely not. You know because. You know, sometimes we we get into this um, sort of habit that you know what I, you know I, I want to be a professional footballer, I want to be a basketballer, or and I'm not playing now, so I hate everything and I don't want to I don't want to be here anymore. It's it's not it's not a sprint, you know, 100. Uh, percent It's not a sprint. It's you know, pardon the uh, the pun, but it's um well, it's not necessarily a pun, it's more of a cliche, but um, it's it's a marathon. You know, the the player and the athlete that can last the longest. And they can be the the most dedicated and the most committed the longest is going to be the one that actually has the longest career, 100%. If you're in a rush for that to happen, you're going to miss out on other things that happen in uh, that, that are happening around you. Like the boys are talking about, experience is one thing. But again, I'm speaking from a little bit older, uh, sort of older perspective. It's the the things that you find out about yourself. It's the the, the personal development, it's the growth within yourself that is going to be the the important things. So again, don't don't be in a rush. So we've covered some pretty important topics, obviously, in this episode. And as I said, everything will be available in the show notes uh, for athletes and families, obviously, on the program and off the program. Uh, but Marco, if you just want to maybe summarise this episode you know go over a few of the key points that we've covered uh, that, that would be awesome yeah look building resilience as early as you can as an athlete and also as parents you know understanding that it's your journey just as much as as, as their journey you know 100 percent, i would say you know it's important to, to understand as well that it'll be the first time that you move into an environment that is is not a pay-to-play anymore and and by pay-to-play obviously i'll touch on it just slightly again but pay to play in Australia and New Zealand you register and you pay for a club and you play for that club once you move into the US system or college sports it's the first time that it will be um, based on ability based on uh, dedication based on character based on attitude that that will determine whether or not you actually play Um, another key point uh, from uh, from this uh, podcast is, is definitely understanding that there's it's a marathon it's not a it's not a sprint yeah and then also i think the biggest thing is is not to to coop yourself up when you get over there don't focus too much on the things that are happening at home um make sure you're getting out there and experiencing new things making new mates um getting involved in the campus culture as well and obviously it is a you know for the the new athletes and even returning athletes that, that go over to the states it is a difficult time to sort of settle in um so so parents as well 
Um, you have to stay strong for your kids, as we mentioned, you know, and Marco sort of touched on uh, briefly as well. Don't don't be on the phone saying you miss them all the time. You know, you have to be you have to be strong for them, uh, definitely. So, anything else that you guys sort of want to touch on? No, look, I think this this is obviously you know a, a, I guess a, a bit of an emotional sort of subject as as well, emotional topic um, that. Um, I speak from an experience of an of a athlete, of a, of a parent, and obviously someone who's you know, involved in sending thousands of boys and girls a, a, across, uh, across the other side of the world. We know that it's going to be difficult, um, and I guess our knowledge um, and uh, our experiences are there, to, are there to help, you know, so any mums and dads out there that have got their kids going through this and, and, and would like to, you know, I guess, you know, speak to us individually about you know the, the same topic or how we can help them individually. By all means, feel free to uh, t- to touch base. I, the boys know that I love, I guess, sharing my wisdom now as a now that I'm now that I'm a dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so that same same goes to the athletes as well. Once you're over there, if you're listening, then um, definitely if, you, if you're feeling sort of uh, homesick or you're struggling. Definitely reach out to us. We're here to help out, and we're always always happy to speak to an athlete who's over there and going through sort of the same things that, that Jacob and I went through, and, and Marco in a, in, a, in a similar situation. So, um, if you're struggling, give us a call or flick us an email, messages on Facebook. We're, we're always here to help. Marco Harrison, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks, mate. Thanks, boys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. I know we covered a lot of information. Uh, So everything will be available on show notes. Uh, Anyone that's on the program obviously will have those show notes emailed to them. Anyone who is not on the NSR program can access the show notes on our podcast page on our website uh, at nsraustralia.com.au. Simply click on the the podcast tab up the top. Uh, Next week we'll be speaking with uh, an NSR parent. So uh, I'll be asking them questions obviously about their experience so far uh, and, and we'll cover some some really cool topics so uh, make sure you tune in next week we have a a, another important and, and really cool episode thanks guys